Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. You know, recently I've been reading a little bit more history and I've been a little bit intrigued by the era in the 1900s, the early 1900s, particularly the World War I era, where um, you find that the entire world got caught up into this, this global conflict and um, I've never really been a history buff. I've never been someone who um, has really, you know, just been interested. But the older I get, the more I'm intrigued by it. And, and I was particularly interested in World War I and how World War I began. And it's interesting because I never heard this before in history books. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. Maybe you've heard this. But, but it all started with this man named Hans Ferdinand. Hans Ferdinand is, is this gentleman here with this amazing handlebar mustache. Come on, somebody. And um, it feels like Hans should be riding on a Harley Davidson. You know what I'm saying? It's like, he is so before his time. Hans, you are so hipster, bro. It's like Hans is hanging out in Winwood or something, you know? And, and uh, Hans Ferdinand was this, this guy that lived in Austria. And he wasn't a politician. He wasn't a president. He was not a dignitary. He was a businessman. He was well-known in the economic arena. And he's even decorated within his family as the duke of his family. But, but he wasn't like, like the president of a nation. And one day, Hans is assassinated. He's killed. And since he's from Austria, and he was somewhat influential, the people in Austria, they, they began to blame another nation. They began to blame Serbia. They said, you know what? We know who did this. Serbia put the hit out on Hans. And so, you know what? We're going to go to war against Serbia. So then what happens is we see that Austria declares war on Serbia. Russia then says, well, you can't go against Serbia. So now we're going to attack Austria. That doesn't go well for Germany. So Germany says, Russia, you can't attack Austria. You don't have a reason. So we're going to war against you. And then all of a sudden, France declares war on Germany. Germany declares war on Belgium. Come on. How can you go to war against Belgium with the Belgian waffles, folks? Come on. And then Britain says, hey, we want in on this, so we're coming against Germany. And before you know it, all of Europe is in this conflict. They're in this all-out war because of one man who was assassinated. In fact, it was all because of this one man that the Austrians assumed that Serbia, they were the ones who assassinated him. And on an assumption, whether it's true or not, I don't know. But on an assumption, they attacked in, in one week's time. Look, all of this happened. Austria and Serbia, Russia, Austria, Germany, Russia. All of these wars that were started in World War I, all of this escalated in just one week's time. And because of one man's life. Which makes me want to say to you, don't discount the power of your life. Because you never know the potential that awaits in your life. One person's life sparked this global, which we know that America gets involved and all these other nations get involved. A global war because of one man's assassination. And so now we have World War I. Well, as you study in the history books... The strategy that they used in World War I was this strategy called trench warfare. 
Trench warfare was a new strategy for war. And basically what it was is that we're going to, we're going to dig this ditch, this trench, if you would. And what we're going to do is we're going to hide out in this trench. And all the other armies and nations as they're around on the battlefield are, are hiding in these trenches. And then what they would do is that they would sit up and take some shots and throw ammo and then go back down to safety. Sit up, throw some shots, and then go back down for safety. What's crazy about this strategy, though, is, is that a lot of ammo is being thrown, but there's no new ground being taken. And there's no new ground being taken because all you're doing is you're digging in. To your hole, you're digging into your place, you're digging into your area, and you're not taking new ground, you're not advancing. All you are doing is throwing ammo and killing people. Which is amazing because in World War I, they say that close to 20 million people lost their lives in World War I. And greatly because of trench warfare that escalated because one individual was assassinated. You know, I, I think about this war, and I think about the tactic that is used, and I can't help but think and use a parallel to our society today that we use that same mentality and strategy today in our lives. Oh, we may not have weapons in our hands, but we sure do have war in our hearts. I mean, you look at our culture today, and, and, and excuse me for going there on a Christmas service, but I have to in order to give you the full picture of what Christmas is all about. Because in our nation, we have learned trench warfare so well, and we use it on each other all the time. Oh, you use it on people, I use it on we use it, and we don't even realize we use it. Pastor, how do we use it? We use it when it's somebody of an opposite race that we don't like. We use it when someone says, I'm a Republican, and someone says, I'm a Democrat, and we can't agree. And so what we do is we refuse to agree on anything, so we build our trenches, and this is what divides us. And I'm right, and you're wrong, and so I'm not coming to you, you're not coming to me, so I'm going to dig into my opinions, my viewpoints, even if my granddaddy passed it down to me and it's wrong, this is what I believe, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dig down in here, and occasionally I'm going to lift up and I'm going to shoot some ammo and hurt you. Come on, is this not true or what? And so you know what we do? Because now of technology, one of the greatest ways we do trench warfare is through social media. And, and, and here's what we do. We hide behind our phones. And something's happening in the world, and it gets you so mad. And then you got, I can't help it. I got to tell everyone how I feel about it. Boop, 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 sin. Can we speak the truth here tonight? You know it's true. I can't believe that that person is doing that. That it's so bad for a good job. Because then all of a sudden the ammo starts coming back to you on your comments. And all of a sudden it's like this. And, and how many of you know we do that even in our marriages and in our homes? We will dig our trenches. Come on. Come on, married people. Don't leave me hanging because you know you're doing it. Let's go. <laughs> I'm right, you're wrong, I can't believe it, you're so stubborn, and you're so, da, da. and she's like, and then, and then like, you, you, I'm going to hide. You're in your trench, you're like, oh Lord, I can't even believe I said that. And all of a sudden, she's like, now she's out of her trench. Well, it's because you're so selfish. And if you put your needs before me, and all the while, we think, that as long as we keep firing our ammo, 
We are advancing. Come on, this is good for every area of your life. Come on, transplant this into your work environment with your kids, with your parents, with your in-laws, with whoever you want. That the, the reality of it is that our words and our actions that are thrown at people will never result in moving forward as long as we hide in our trenches. It's the same principle for the church. Brave church, we can never be a church that we hide within these four walls. We hide within the trenches of this church and look at the world and go, man, the world is so sinful. The world is so evil. I can't believe they passed that law. I can't believe that they're doing this. And then we hide back on Sunday morning. No, 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 no. We've got to come out from underneath and behind our trenches. We've got to be people who say, just because I can prove I'm right doesn't mean I'm winning. You see, that is the very picture of what Christmas is. Is that Jesus on Christmas morning, he left his trench called heaven. Because he was in a safe place where humanity could not hurt him, could not crucify him, could not disrobe him, could not disgrace him. But yet he came out of his trench. Am I talking to somebody in church tonight? That he said, I've got to leave this place and go to the battleground where humanity is. And I've got to be the first one. You see, what's crazy about about this trench warfare with these soldiers in this picture. He said, here they are. Look at them. They're hiding. Ammo is being thrown over from the enemy. And historians say something crazy happened on Christmas Eve in 1914. It's called the Christmas Truce of 1914. Google it. Look it up. Not right now. Later. <laughs> so I'm like, Okay. One of these men, we don't know who he is. Historians don't even have a name for the soldier. But let me show you this trench warfare picture again. One of these men, whether he was here or in another trench somewhere, on Christmas Eve said, what in the world are we doing? We're fighting, people are losing their lives, and no one's taking new ground. And besides that, it's Christmas. Historians say that this gentleman walked out of the trench, guns, ammo, flying by, and he holds his weapon up and puts it on the ground, and he yells, truce. And he begins to say, all of you from France, all of you from Belgium, all of you from Germany and Britain, can't we just for one day Acknowledge that we can agree on one thing. I know that we disagree on so many other things. I know we hate each other because of our ideology, because of our opinions, because of the way we were raised and brought up. But can't we not just realize that we all believe in Jesus and it's Christmas? Can't we just lay our weapons down? For just one day. And historians say that on Christmas Eve of 1914, all of those conflicted nations in Europe dropped their weapons. And let me show you what happened on the battlefield. Check this out. 
These are men from different armies, different nations that just prior to this hated each other and had their weapons pointed at each other. And now they're smoking together. Come on, somebody. Look at them preparing the meal for Christmas on Christmas Eve. Look at this next picture. It's amazing that here they are, that they're, they're giving each other a light and they're, 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 they're smoking again. You know what I mean? Just go with me. I, I love this picture because here's these men from, from six different nations and they've, they've got this little Christmas tree down here and, and some um, bottled water. <laughs> some Zephyr Hills. And, uh, but just look at this picture for a second. Look at this. Look at that. There it is. <laughs> this is a picture that they took. This picture is 100 years old, over 100 years old. Here they are playing football. For those of you gringos, it's soccer. And, uh, and, and they're playing football. And, and look at this. They have different uniforms on, and they're from different nations. And, and for one day, they said, can we, not just, can we not just agree and celebrate something and find something we can agree on and put our weapons down? And it's amazing to me because... This resulted in men who hated each other now celebrating with each other. I just wonder if the church could not be that motivational engine in our city to be who Jesus wanted us to be. Yes, I know there can be so many differences of, of us in this room. There are Republicans and Democrats and independents. There are white, black, Asian, all of these different kind of race. I know we have financial ideas. We have ideas about immigration. We have all of these different ideas. But I wonder if we can just learn to put our stinking weapons down and say, can we not unite on something that we all agree on, and that is Jesus, and Jesus Christ, who is risen, he's coming again, and he loves humanity. This was so, so impacting that after that day was over, and it was time to go back to war, none of the soldiers wanted to pick up their weapons. So the heads and the colonels and commanders are like, guys, it's time to fight again. And none of the men want to pick up their weapons. They're telegraphing in. Hey, the men don't want to fight. What do we do? So they adopted this policy called no fraternization. And here's what that means. It's a real policy. Look, it's in our history books. It said this, you are not allowed to do things with people that you hate so that you can no longer take their life. In other words, no more football. Which in Miami, that's happening already. Come on. Sorry. Um, no more just getting to know somebody who you are supposed to hate. Because if you get to know somebody that you're supposed to hate and disagree with, chances are you may actually like them. Christmas and because it's six o'clock, I'll be a little bit more bold. I just feel like I'm sick and tired of the church hiding its head on issues like this. This ought to be the forefront of all kinds of
hands of reconciliation. This church in Miami, we need to be the forerunners. We need to be the pioneers of people who say we don't run from people we don't understand. We don't run from people that we disagree with. We embrace them. Because if we can learn to embrace people, we may actually love them. The reality of it is the reason why so many people love to hate other people because they're actually afraid of actually liking them. We're afraid that what our preconceived ideas about other races and other people, we're afraid that we'll actually be wrong. And I just think the church, we ought to be people saying, oh, you voted for Trump? Cool. Nobody roll their eyes and look at them like they're stupid. And then other people say, oh, you vote for Hillary? Awesome. Cool. I don't care to debate you on political. And this is going to make some of y'all mad. And that's okay. I don't care. some people that try to control me like a puppet. Pastor David, you need to tell people to vote for Trump. You need to tell people to vote for Hillary. I'm not going to be your puppet. I've never been a puppet. I'll never be a puppet. I don't care how much money you do have, how much money you don't have. I'm never going to be someone else's political puppet. Never. Never. Find another pastor you want to control. It ain't going to be me. Because when it comes to the word of God, everything about Christmas is about reconciliation. Let me help paint a picture. Jesus comes to earth. Him and humanity is in all-out war. Herod is trying to pledge war on families. And Mary and Joseph are at war. It's one of the darkest times in all of humanity. I mean, Jesus could have come at some better times. It was an economic dark time. It was environmentally a dark time. Jesus even came at the darkest time of the year. Do you know why we celebrate Christmas on December 25th? For all of you who are just so intellectual. I, I get it. I know, I know Christmas and Jesus didn't really come on December 25th. I know that. But do you know why it's, it's around December 25th? Because Jesus came. You remember two days ago? I think they call it the solstice or solace. Yeah. The darkest day of the year. He came on the darkest time on our calendar. He could have come in the peak of summer when the, the, the flowers in were in bloom and everything was just beautiful. Everything was, no, 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 no. Jesus said, I'm going to come to humanity in their darkness to let them know that before the sun shines, I always come in the middle of their darkness. I've come to tell somebody, you've come here tonight and you feel like you're living in darkness. You're dealing with addictions. You're dealing with struggles. You're dealing with pain. Jesus always comes in the darkest time of the night. And he always comes with the brightest light. Somebody give God a shout of praise. Somebody give him a praise. Somebody give him a praise. Somebody act like you love Jesus tonight. I wish somebody would just love Jesus tonight. So, how do we, how do, we do this? Because the reality is some of you in your family Got trenches in your family. 
this Christmas, you already know it. Uncle so-and-so is going to say something. Then he's going to sit back at my table and act like he didn't mean what he said. And he knows he did. And then I'm going to want to get out of my trench and be like, yo, why are you going to disrespect me in my house? I'm sorry, I just got so, 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 so not pastoral there. There's going to be hurts in your family that have been carrying on for, for years. And the Christmas season, you know what it does? You've been healing all year since last Christmas. But for some of you, Christmas, it's like removing the scab off the wound. You're going to gather with the person. Miami, we've got big families, right? And that person that abused you is going to be there. out on you, it's going to be there. But that person who's there is going to remind you of some painful moments. And I've seen it every year. Every, I see it with marriages all the time. I see it with sons and fathers and daughters and moms. And we get down in our trenches and man, at the first sign, take the first step someone has to say I'll be the one to get out of my trench because I know you're not going to apologize I know you're not going to act right so I'm going to get out of my trench and I'm going to decide there's nothing you can do to hurt me or offend me this Christmas and I'm going to be the first one in our marriage even though you're the one that I'm going to get out and I'm going to walk out onto the battlefield and say truth somebody's got to take the first step silent game on each other. You know what I'm talking about? Hey, we got to talk. can't believe you said that. I'm, I'm not talking to you. Then you come home from work. She's like, how was work? You're like, <laughs> then you try to sign language. Like, try to sign language because you don't want to talk to her because you're mad. So you try to sign language. Like, hey, what are we eating for dinner? You're like, because you play the silent treatment. So this guy, he was um, he was mad at his wife. And so um, he gets ready to go to bed and he takes out this note card and he begins to write on this note card. Hey, I have to get up at 5 a.m. for an early flight. I need you to wake me up. And he takes this and he puts it on her nightstand beside her pillow. And then he goes to bed. So the next morning, he wakes up. His flight was at 5 a.m. and he wakes up at 9 a.m. I look at like, what in the world? So he goes and he finds his wife. She's in the kitchen. Why didn't you wake me up? I told you I had an early flight at 
5 a.m. And now I, I missed my flight. I missed that meeting. I'm going to lose that deal. This is going to have an economic hardship on our family. And it's all because of you. Why didn't you wake me up? She's just giving him a silent treatment. So she just points to the bed. And inside the bed, he looks. And there's a note that she wrote to him. And it said, it's 5 a.m. Wake up, idiot. <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. That's funnier than you even know what it is. <laughs> Somebody's got to take the first step.
Why not on this beautiful day let God bring healing to relationships in your life, bring healing to things that have been lost. Let God restore that and renew that. Let God begin that. And you say, well, how do I do that? Ephesians chapter 2, because I know some of you are like, is this pastor going to read scripture? Yeah. I saved the best for last. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, for Christ himself has brought, come on, say it, peace to us. Come on, there can be peace in your heart this Christmas. He says this, he united Jews and Gentiles. He broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. I love that. And in essence, what scripture is saying is this, he came out onto the battlefield. You, You do know that he did that, right? Because Jesus could have come out of the trench of heaven and said, I am so sick and tired of humanity. And just lightning bolt every one of us. You think I'm kidding? There was one time when Jesus did it. God did that. He looked and said, man, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to send a flood. But then after he wiped them out, he found one righteous man. God said this, I'll never do that again. You know why I believe that is? I'm assuming a little in scripture, but I know my God. I have a relationship with him. So I feel like I know his nature. You know why I feel like he said he'll never do it again? I think that he grieved too much over the lost creation that he loved. Did he make a mistake? No, because God doesn't make mistakes. But God found another way. Scripture says this, I love in Ephesians. And Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility to each other. Come on, you see this? Our hostility toward each other in our nation, in our families, in our church, in our dinner parties, in wherever it is. Our hostility toward each other, it says this, was put to death. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. All of this was from God who reconciled. Somebody say reconciled us to himself through Christ and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation in other words God reconciled us he brought our account to zero he said listen I'm not going to hold your sin against you is anybody so glad that God is not holding your sin against you he said I'm not going to try to resolve it I'm going to reconcile it I'm going to do away with it and I'm going to give you a fresh start and a new beginning has anybody ever received a new beginning from God tonight is anybody thankful for his grace Anybody here say, God, I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I'm so thankful that you never gave up on me. I'm so thankful, God. I'm so thankful, God, that you still love me. It's because he reconciled us. You see, when we are reconciled with God, he gives us the power to reconcile with others. But the first truth wasn't even in 1914, but it was on Christmas morning. In Luke chapter 2, it records the first truth that was ever made. Check this out. It's the Christmas story. But the angel said to them, speaking of the shepherds, do not be afraid. Why would we not be afraid? We're looking at huge angels. And they said, here's why. I bring you
goes on to say, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, humanity, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. He's what all of heaven revolves around. He is the beauty of heaven. He is the Savior. He's Jesus. There's no other name like the name of Jesus. Shepherds, don't you understand that Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, has left his trench and he is here on the earth to bring reconciliation. He's here. He's here. He's here. And I've come to you tonight to let you know that the same Messiah is here to bring reconciliation and life to every person in this room. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? He goes all the same.
God, we call a truce. Now here's what I want you to do right there. Come on, because you know what weapon you use the most. 
Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.